What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is Rob Doster. We have a brand new Doster and Deshaun podcast ready to go. Uh, we pulled the audio from the live stream post game show we did after the Gonzaga West Virginia game and threw that into the podcast feed. But before I actually published this, I wanted to talk a little bit about Baylor and Illinois. We had a top five matchup, which is going to lead into a battle between the number one team in the country in Gonzaga and the number two team in the country in Baylor on Saturday. And I could not let the opportunity pass by to at least make mention of it. Uh, Baylor, I mean, they're awesome. What else is there to say about this team? They've uh, continued to improve on the defensive end of the floor. Um, They completely took Io Desumu out of the game on uh, Tuesday night. I know he finished with 18 points and five assists. But much of that damage that he did came in the second half, uh, came after um, Baylor had more or less pulled away um, and put this game away. Baylor used a second-half run to extend a 12-point lead, and that's when uh, Io started getting going. Um, He did hit two threes, but both of those threes were wide-open threes in transition. For the most part, when Illinois was running half-court offense, it was Io getting eaten up by Mark Vidal and Davion Mitchell. It was not a great outing for uh, for DeSumo, and it has me worried about um, Illinois to a point moving forward. Now, that said, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Mark Vidal and uh, Davion Mitchell are two of the best individual on-ball defenders that you are going to find in college basketball, point-blank, period, full stop. Um, and, you know, they did not disappoint on uh, – on Wednesday night. The thing that was really impressive with Baylor, however, was what they were able to do offensively. And there are two things that I think we need to discuss here. The first is the shooting. On the one hand, Davion Mitchell stepped up and went four for four from three. Adam Flagler stepped up, came off the bench, scored 16 points, had three assists without a turnover. Uh, When those two guys are making shots like that, it takes so much pressure off of Jared Butler and off of Macy Oteague. And at the end of the day, that's really what Uh, the concern was and the Achilles heel was for the Baylor Bears last season. We knew what would happen if you could slow them down. We knew what would happen if you took Jared Butler away. They were going to struggle to break 60 points. And that was not a, that's not an easy way to consistently win basketball games when you got to be able to hold teams under 60. Now Baylor did it quite a bit because um, that is a team that is elite defensively, like I mentioned. We're going to get into that. The best defense in the country is going up against the best offense in the country on Saturday. Uh, we will discuss that, I promise. Um, but it also led to something that we need to talk about with Illinois. In They have a Kofi Coburn problem. This is the second straight game where an opposing coach isolated him in ball screens and attacked him in ball screens and relentlessly went at him. Uh, 
Jeff Bowles in Ohio did it last week um, when Jason Preston had 31 points and eight assists and Ohio probably should have won uh, in Champaign. And then on, on Wednesday night against Baylor, Scott Drew did the exact same thing. He found ways to get Kofi Coburn in an empty side ball screen. And there were at least three times where uh, Jonathan Chachwa, who is quickly becoming my favorite player in college basketball and the most fun name to say in college basketball, uh, got dunks out of it and got alley-oops out of it. It, it, it. It's it's a problem. You know, Kofi Coburn is really, really effective when he can play in the Big Ten where every single team has one of these big bruising centers. You know, it's very different when he's going up on a nightly basis against someone like a Caleb Wesson or a Micah Potter or a Luca Garza or even a Xavier Tillman. Like every team in the Big Ten has a big body. The best teams in other in, in around the country don't necessarily have that. You know, that was that was always going to be the concern when they face Baylor. What's going to happen with him on the floor? Now, I was a little bit more worried about them offensively with his presence on the court because I thought it would clog up driving lanes. And, uh, you know, it didn't really matter if he was on the floor because Illinois was not able to get past the perimeter defenders of Baylor. So it was kind of uh, rendered mute to a point. Um but it really, really became an issue on the defensive end of the floor. And like, to be frank, if we're being, if we're being totally honest here, if Kofi Coburn was a good ball screen defender, he would not be in college. You know, when you average thirteen and nine as a freshman on a top twenty-five team, um, there's normally a reason why you are coming back to school. And for Kofi Coburn, that reason is that he is a complete and total liability in ball screen. So, uh, I, I just think that that's going to be something that we see happening over and over and over again with Illinois moving forward. And now there's there's ways around that. You know, Georgie Benishvili, I hope I got that name right. I can never get it right. Um, he he had a really good game. You know, this is a kid, uh, a veteran that can step out and make it three, that is a little bit more mobile defensively, that can finish around the paint if you need him to, that can go get an offensive rebound. Like he's a really, really good player coming off the bench. And um, he was really effective in his minutes. And I think we're going to have to see more of him if Illinois is going to uh, going to hit their ceiling, you know. And and I'm not necessarily that worried about Illinois long term. I don't think that they belong in the same conversation as Baylor and Villanova when it comes to um, being one of the best teams in the country. I don't think that they are. Uh, I mean, they very well might be the third best team in college basketball, but I think more than anything that proves to you how much of a gap there is between Baylor and Gonzaga and the rest of the field. Um, So this should probably lead us into the matchup on Saturday between Baylor and Gonzaga to determine who will be the de facto national champion uh, should the coronavirus end up shutting down this college basketball season before the NCAA tournament happens. Now, we have Baylor's elite off uh, elite defense, their juggernaut defense, their best defense in college basketball, going up against Gonzaga, who uh, is one of the best offensive teams that we've seen um, in in a very, very long time uh, in college hoops. Hopefully, Jalen Suggs' ankle will be back to 100%. He looked like he was moving pretty well um, when he got on the court. Uh, after he came back from, <laughs> he went from being dead with a with a with an Achilles heel, a torn Achilles, to uh, being able to run and get up and down the floor 
um, the way that you would kind of expect him to be able to. So hopefully he's back to 100% because he's going to need to be. You know, going up against the likes of Davion Mitchell and, and Jared Butler and Mike and uh, Mark Vidal when they um, when they end switching is not going to be something that's easy to do if you're on a bad wheel. If you have a, an ankle that makes you um, makes it difficult for you to push off, it limits your explosiveness a little bit. So that is certainly going to be something to watch moving forward. Um, I will say this about the matchup, however, uh, the way that you can kind of break down what Baylor's doing defensively with their no middle defense and, and the way that they overhelp and the way that they um, try to get to the charge spot and the way that they follow you to the baseline is to have playmakers and to have space the floor with shooters. Now, what, assuming that James Jalen Suggs is healthy, the best lineup that, uh, that, that Gonzaga is going to be able to put on the floor, one that makes a ton of sense going up, into, going up against the Baylor team that played four guards quite a bit is to have Jalen Suggs at the one, Joel Ayayi at the two, Andrew Nemhart at the three, Corey Kispert at the four, and Drew Timmy at the five. And what you have there are four playmakers. Drew Timmy can take the ball off the dribble and make a pass. Joel Ayayi is a point guard if you need him to be. Andrew Nemhart had 19 points and six assists against one of the best defensive teams in the country in West Virginia after Jalen Suggs went down. And Jalen Suggs is a monster, a top five pick, one of the best point guards in college basketball. All those guys can shoot. All those guys can space the floor. All those guys are playmakers. Um, so I do think that they're going to be able to break down uh, Baylor's defense. Um, on the other side, however, the one thing we got to remember is, is that this is not the Baylor team that really struggled to score last season, or at least they haven't been so far this year. Adam Flagler, transferred from Presbyterian, seems like he's very legit. Uh, Matthew Meyer has been a guy that's able to come off the bench and make some shots and get some buckets. Um, you know, Jared, the, the, the craziest thing about Baylor's win over Illinois is that Jared Butler actually struggled. You know, he was six for 18 from the floor. He finished with 12 points. He was over four from three and it didn't matter. Baylor still won by 13. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that ends up playing out. Uh, I can't wait to watch more of this game. I will certainly have more content, uh, about this matchup coming, whether it's in the form of live streams on the field of 68 Twitter account, if it's on the rebound, the newsletter that I run, uh, if it's on this podcast or any other podcast that we have on the network, we're, we're going to be talking plenty about that matchup uh, as we move forward. Um, but for now, uh, I'm going to get into the audio from the live stream that I did with Deshaun, breaking down West Virginia and Gonzaga, breaking down Texas and North Carolina from earlier today and taking a look uh, at, at the Big 12 and the way that that conference is shaping up to be uh, arguably the best, especially at the top in college basketball. My name is Rob Doster. This is a live version of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. We are here breaking down West Virginia's loss to Gonzaga in the opening game of the Jimmy V Classic. Deshaun, I'm sorry about that. I hope you're doing okay. Um, I know you I know you wanted to drink away your sorrows, but hey, look, you know what? We got a live stream to get on, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. All right. Before, while we wait for people to kind of populate this a little bit, let me just tell you guys a little bit about Homefield Apparel. Uh, Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Um, it's, a, it's a company that I'm really excited to be partnered with. They have the same vision and love of college athletics and college basketball that we at this podcast network and we at the Field of 68 do. Uh, what they do is they go through and they mine all of the old logos and all of the old uh, uh, 
brands and all of, everything from from uh, your your teams and your uh, your schools and your programs, all the old logos from the last like 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years. They find those, they redesign them. Um, it's officially licensed and they put them on T-shirts, they put them on sweatshirts, they put them on hoodies, they put them on joggers, they put them on everything that you could possibly want them on. Uh, and they turn those around and they sell that gear to you. I own a bunch of those T-shirts. I don't have one on right now. I've been wearing them every single day this week and I kind of ran out of clean ones. Eventually that is going to happen. Um, but uh, they're they're perfectly comfortable. They're great around the neck. They don't get too loose. You don't get the turkey neck hanging down. They're the perfect tightness around your arms. Um, nice, soft, comfortable. I couldn't recommend them more. And I promise you this, I would not be partnering with a brand if I did not believe in them. West Virginia fans, if you are listening to this, they do not have you guys licensed just yet. But if you tweet at them, at Home Field Apparel, no E in apparel, uh, you can tell them that you want to see more West Virginia gear. And maybe down the road, they'll be able to have options for you. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the, uh, the promo code FIELD of 68. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Deshaun, you are a West Virginia alum. You just watched your team lose a tough one, I man. They they played really well. So how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling about your Mountaineers? Uh, first of all, I always love my Mountaineers. So shout out to those guys. They uh, they played a hard game. Uh, obviously had a great chance to win the game if it wasn't for a couple bonehead plays toward the end of the game, uh, missed free throws. We had a ton of opportunities to win the game, uh, but. It's not always the end of the game, which uh, gives you the loss. It's the entirety of the game. So we had a good game. You think about this. If you say going into the uh, half that Gabe – not Gabe, excuse me, that Oscar and D.C. would both have 17 points and 17 boards collectively, I would think that we have a a really good chance of winning the game, especially the way Gonzaga was playing. And they finished the game off. Oscar had 14, nine rebounds, and four really bad fouls. Derek Hover also had six. He went six for 13, 18 points, 15 boards. He had a great game. And anytime you feel we watch the games and Gabe goes out there, plays as hard as he can. We, we love Gabe on our team. But he went, ten, he went, he had 10 points. He went three for three. So we're supposed to win this game. And then Miles McBride had a tough one tonight, shooting four for 14. Sean McNeil got hit early, started off 0 for three, and then finished off one for nine. And Taz. He, which he played well, but he shot three for nine and had four turnovers. So, like, we have those things. I think we had a total of maybe, like, we're over 15, over 16 turnovers. It, we can't win games like that. And then you add in the free throws, the missed free throws toward the end. It's just, it, it's, uh, it was very unfortunate. Yeah, I definitely want to talk a little bit about the fouls and talk about Big Sheeb uh, and, and go kind of go into that storyline a little bit. But before we do, I do want to mention um, what happened with Jalen Suggs and, and the injury. Like, first and foremost, I mean, thank goodness that that dude is okay because yeah. he's such an exciting talent. Um, and I know that, like, when you're – if you're a West Virginia fan, you're probably like, oh, yeah, he's out of the game. But the, I think it's good for the sport that that dude is, is healthy, that he was able to come back, that it turns out maybe he was just exaggerating that injury just a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Gonzaga fans. I don't want you to jump down <laughs> I just, my I'll, throat there. I was going to say that. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that it brings up an important point about this Gonzaga team and it's it goes to show you what the actual value of depth is, right? Like, you know this better than anyone, Deshaun. When it comes to college hoops, like, you don't really need more than a seven-man rotation, maybe eight, to really survive. Like, it's you're worried about foul trouble and you're worried about a guy spraining an ankle in a game or something like that. That's really all you need beyond the seven or eight. And I think what this showed you is that even if 
Gonzaga loses an important piece. They, oh, by the way, have Andrew Nemhard, who came off the bench, 19 points, five boards, and six assists, eight for 14 shooting. Like, he was terrific going up against one of the best defensive teams in the country. It's an embarrassment of riches. Um, the, the truth is this. Jalen Suggs did not really have an impact on that game. No. And Gonzaga went out and beat what is probably a top-10 team in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, geez, you, you brought up Nemhar, which was, I thought, to me, it was the, if not the MVP, the runner-up, like him and AA, they, they went out there. 10 for 15, like, I don't know, like, you have some guys get some baskets. Like, scoring 10 field goals in a game is not easy. <laughs> so, like, watching these guys, they offensively, the, like, they were arsenal. They have an arsenal of uh, weapons. You know, Timmy, once again, didn't play his best, 17 still. Three boards. I wish he could do a little bit better on the boards, like as, as a player watching another player. But uh, he had 17. Kisper had 19. But we just said, yeah, he had 21. And how many did Nimhart have exactly again? Uh, he, he finished with 19. He had 19 five boards, six assists coming off the bench. He was, exactly. he was like, sensational. And you, this, they're a great team offensively. The one thing I wished, because obviously I don't need to wish anything for Gonzaga, they won the game and they won it in great fashion. The only thing I wish is when, and I think I tweeted it earlier, it's just like Gonzaga took advantage of West Virginia not taking advantage of their height advantage. <laughs> like it was insane to have Oscar Sheboy out there with <laughs> with uh, Derek Culver. And uh, a lot of you know, I love Kisper. Kisper is tough, right. tough as nails. One of my guys was texting me during the game. I was like, yo, shut up. I know how good he is. He's, he's crafty, an amazing shooter, great senior leader on their team. If Derek Culver was scoring the ball at certain points in the game pretty easily on Timmy, there's no reason why he couldn't score the ball like that on Kisper. Or Oscar couldn't get the ball to score the ball on Kisper. I just felt we didn't do – when I say we, I'm talking about my West Virginia faithfuls. We didn't do a good job of uh, – Taking advantage of that uh that um that mismatch, I feel like we had a, a big mismatch in the boards, a big mismatch in, in the height and strength, and obviously we showed it, we demonstrated it in the first half. The foul trouble doesn't help, obviously, but I just thought we could have did a better job of exploiting that size, you know, that size mismatch. Yeah, I mean it's it's the foul trouble that cost them, right? Yeah. Because Gonzaga kind of made that run when when Big Sheev had to come out of the game, and like the thing about which Oscar Sheewe, like. I mean, that dude blows up everything that they want to do, to, like offensively. Like what? What Gonzaga wants to run is basically ball screen continuity, which we talked about this last week. Is you run a ball screen on one side of the floor, guys move on the other side of the floor, you run another ball screen, guys move around on the other side of the floor, you run another ball screen, and the way the offense is built is so that you get ball screen after ball screen after ball screen on the empty side of the floor. And Big Sheeb, the way that he can move his feet, I didn't, I didn't remember how mobile he was, but he was blowing up everything. Like he was getting in passing lanes, 40 feet away from the rim, yeah. not letting the ball reverse to Drew Timmy. Like how many dudes that are 6'10", 260 pounds can do that? There's not many. Not many. Not many. And to your point, to see him be able to do those things and then to see those fouls happen, it just lets you know the something's off, the lack of focus maybe. Uh, is it a lazy moment or not? We don't know exactly just watching the game. Like he he has so much upside, and you can once again you named it. Seeing those things in the game, it, it sucks that we have him out in the court for a little bit of time, and it's still fourteen and nine, man. Like like we got him on the floor for a little bit, fourteen and nine, 
and he still had a, a, a he was a major piece in almost pulling off a win. And we keep him on the court the entire game. Who knows how the game goes, but hopefully the guys can. You don't like to learn from a loss. It's always good. Like Hugs always says, you don't need to lose to learn. But uh, these guys lost the game today. Hopefully they can uh, figure out their mistakes tomorrow and then become a better team after that because they played a very great number one team in the country today. Yeah, I mean, some of those, some of the fouls, like Derek Culver had two. And I think Jay Billis actually pointed it out on the, the broadcast. But he had two where Timmy came down and, and, and put a drop step on him, and he reached and just slapped like this. Yeah, and it's just exactly. soft little ticky-tack fouls. Like if you, you, you have to understand, one, you are West Virginia, and you play a certain style, and you play it with a certain level of physicality, and yeah. that is going to draw extra whistles from the referees. You can complain about it if you want. Maybe it's unfair. But, like, that's just an undeniable fact exactly. that West Virginia has a reputation, and you have to be aware of that, and you have to play – into that reputation, if that makes sense. The other yeah. part of it is, like, you have to be smarter. Like, it was almost back-to-back possessions. He did the exact same thing, got a foul called the exact same way both times. Like, Derek Culver's got to be better than that to be able to stay on the floor. And two, Big Sheep, like, some of them, I think he probably legitimately had, like, three and a half fouls, maybe four. Mm-hmm. But, like, the last one that he picked up, like, you, you can't you can't do that. You have to know the situation, right? You have to be able to stay on the floor. You're so important to what you do. So, wow. <laughs> like it was it's tough to watch and to your point the, i feel like a lot of the guys had those fouls during the game where they were just like i think emma matthews had one where he ran by somebody and just grabbed their arm but didn't like stop them from getting a layup they, they had about like three and ones on plays like that where mm-hmm. they got three and ones on plays like that where guys didn't like if you're gonna foul foul but don't just like run by and slap and then and then you look at the ref like, what happened? Like, we see you on camera slapping down and not making it a good foul. So, I mean, Gonzaga played tough, earned a, earned a great win against a great team, and it proved to me by, like, by far they're, they're going to they're, – they might finish out undefeated. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you buying me yet that, that, um, that they're the best team in the country? Baylor. I got to see them against Baylor first. But if after the Baylor thing, I might have to just shake your hand. <laughs> you brought you you have a great you have a great take on Gonzaga. So I, I was the, the last thing I do want to say about Gonzaga and then we can move on is is like we know what Jalen Suggs brings them. We talked about the value of having um like an Andrew Nemhard and, and that depth and uh, the fact that they are basically like look, Joel Yai can play the point if you need him to play the point. Yes. Uh, Andrew Nemhard is a point guard at heart. And they are for when Gonzaga has the best five on the floor. That's your that's your two and that's your three and Joel Ayayi and Andrew Nemhard. Um, so they they have a wealth of playmakers that just makes them so dangerous. Drew Timmy, you talked about him last week. His mobility, the way he can handle the ball. Like did you see him bringing it up? Like he's over there. He's doing Zach drills, going behind the back, putting the ball between his legs at six foot ten. What is that? What is that? But to me, the thing there were two things that I thought were really important. One. Um, Omar Ballo looks like he's going to be able to contribute this year. Yeah. And that dude's got talent. Like he was, I remember Deshaun, I watched him in the 2019 U19s. And I think it was the FIBA, the World Cup for the U19. I can never remember. I can't keep those international tournaments straight. But I watched him play for, um, for, for Mali. I think it's Mali. And he was awesome in that tournament. So I've had expectations for him since then. Um, and he hasn't always lived up to him, but it looked like, he could be that guy. The other part of it is uh, Anton Watson. Yeah. I had some concerns heading into this game. I thought that was a matchup that West Virginia would be able to exploit. And he didn't really put up the stats and he fouled out, but he took a couple of really important charges. 
He really battled on the glass and kept some balls alive. And I thought that he was generally a net positive when he was out there, allowing them to be a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical uh, while without losing like the 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 switchability and kind of a little bit of the versatility that he brings. So you don't necessarily have to play two bigs. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, when when you have Suggs out, you have to give Timmy a break. You have to give Kispert a break. What can you say? The other guys came in. <laughs> the other guys. They got the guys came in the game and they stepped up and they kept the team in it and just enough so everybody can come back in and contribute and do everything they need to do. Suggs comes back in the game, gives their team a spark. And I mean, they, they end up pulling out a win, man. And then they have another top team under their belt, another top 25 team win under their belt. So, man, hats, off, right. to Chicago, man. hats off to Coach Few. Great coach. So let's talk a little bit about Illinois and Baylor because that game is going to be tipping off here, uh, what, like 10 minutes or so? Yeah. Uh, where, do you, where do you stand on Baylor? Where do you stand on Illinois? Are you with me that this is a battle between two of the best guards in the country in Jared Butler and Io DeSumo? I'm with you on two of the best guards battling tonight. <laughs> um, the pace is going to be, like I said before in the last show, the pace is going to be the key to the game. Is Illinois going to run them into the ground or is Butler and Baylor going to take their time and, and just slowly walk them down? So like, I'm, ex- I'm excited for the game, man. Like it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle of uh, the preference. Uh, which, uh, which team is going to impose their will. So I'm excited, man. So I think um, the key to this game is going to end up being how Illinois handles that no middle defense that Baylor plays. Like it's – I don't know how often you saw it when you were in college, Deshaun. We, no, I, when, I was, when I was in school, we this is the way that we played, right? So it, it took me a while to, to realize that, like, it wasn't normal to try to force everybody to the baseline. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'm very curious to see how Brad Underwood deals with it. Because obviously Brad was in the Big 12 at one point. Yeah. But when he was there, like, Baylor wasn't running this. They were they were playing that, like, 1-1-3 one, one, zone, whatever Scott Drew was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's, what, that's what I remember. Right. So um, I think the key – I think the way that you beat this no-middle defense is to put shooters around the perimeter and kind of let your playmaker – give them that open space of the floor, mm-hmm. space everything out on the other side, let him drive and pick out a pass when the help comes. Uh, the only way they could do that, though, is I think you have to pull Kofi Coburn off the floor, which is like, you know, will you be willing to take off your second best player if it's something that kind of helps you win a game in a specific matchup? So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Brad's the kind of guy that will do that, but I do think he's a very smart coach, and smart coaches tend to be guys that uh, do things that help their teams win. Yeah, not to mention just like you said, if you find a, a matchup or something that you could possibly exploit or get your team the advantage – I mean, it's professionals do this all the time, man. Coaches do this all the time. So if they can make those uh, adjustments to win, I mean, they got a good chance to win the game. I just want to – I'm hoping Baylor gets back in transition, man, because <laughs> if they don't, <laughs> it's going to be a show. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to – Runs, bro. Him and, and Miller, they run. Cochran, they yes. run. So I, I, if they don't get back, it could be an issue. But if they do, you can't knock the uh, – the two defensive all Americans that Baylor have in the half court. Like, I don't, I don't see the, the half court offense, uh, no disrespect to Illinois, but the most damage I've seen them do against the teams they played, not to mention they haven't played any, you know, big, big teams. And then the last team they played, I mean, was that Ohio? Yeah. They, 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 Ohio gave them a run for their money. So this is their first, you know, real 
matchup for the season. I don't know, like if they don't get running and they get in the half court, I'm not sure that half court, uh, that half court offense can hold up against those two D or two to three defensive all Americans that Baylor has. And that can, yeah, yeah, I mean, that matchup between IO and and Davion Mitchell is going to be the best one-on-one battle. I think that we see all season long, like IO is a stud. He's a junior. Davion Mitchell might be the best on ball defender. This side of Marcus Garrett. He's a senior. Like this is that, that is a great individual matchup that we're getting in uh, the, the first week um, of the college basketball season. The only other point that I do want to make is this Baylor team is going to look different than last year. You know, last year they, they always had two bigs on the floor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Assuming that you call like Mark Vidal a big, even though he's like six, four, yeah, six, four. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what, man, he is the most athletic jelly donut I've ever seen in my life. Like that dude, I, I love watching him play so much. Like, cause you look at the box score at the end of the game and he's taking like two shots and he's got like seven rebounds, right. but he impacts winning as much as anybody else on that Baylor team. Um, but he's going to, he's going to spend a lot of time playing the five for Baylor this year. There's a lot of times where they go uh, kind of four guards, with a six foot five center, and those boys can shoot. Flagler, um, LJ Cryer, they got some guys coming off the bench that can really, really fill it up. So uh, I will be curious to see how um, how how Illinois deals with that. Like I, I don't think that they've run into a team that has as many guys around the perimeter that can knock down shots. And again, it's going to make it tough to keep Kofi Coburn on the floor. Exactly. All right, so let's talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm saying small ball. It's, it's not easy, especially for, for for big guys. I mean, as much as they run, Illinois runs. It's still not the same when you gotta you gotta keep up with a, a an offensive player that's a, a little bit smaller than you and faster, quicker. So yeah, the only other game that I wanted to talk about before we get out of here is uh, Texas has really turned things around. That's a, that's another Big Twelve team for you. Um, they went out and they beat North Carolina today. They were up by 16 in the first half. They blew that lead, but then Matt Coleman, uh, the senior point guard, came through. Tough step back jumper with 0.1 seconds left on the clock. How how frustrating is that? It's a it's a title game in the Maui Invitational, and you take a shot at the end, and it goes in, and there's 0.1 seconds left on the clock, like, and you don't get that buzzer beater. I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed if I didn't get that buzzer beater. Uh, I kind of feel like I mean. He, he had it going all game. So yeah. <laughs> you got to live and die with that. I mean, if I'm a coach and I'm sitting there, my, I'm basically the guy that's been doing work the last two to three games and he's rolling. I'm rolling with my guy. Shaka Smart of all people at the moment needs to roll with his players and trust his guys that so they can uh, carry him because this is the season. I mean, everybody's expecting big things from them. They were expecting big things from Texas in general. Things didn't work out the way they were supposed to last season. They're coming out really well this year. They beat a good North Carolina team today. So I, I gotta roll with I gotta roll with uh with Coleman, bro. I would have let him go. If if you don't make it, you don't make it. If you make he makes it, it's all good either way. It's nothing you can do yeah. about it. Trust yeah, me. I think I think Shaka made the right call there on on yeah. who to go with for the shot. How do you feel about the hair? Man, guess what? As a basketball, as a as a basketball player uh, overseas, your hair sometimes goes all over the place if you if you're not <laughs> Uh, if you're not in the right country, sometimes your hair goes all over the place. So I'm all for letting Shaka do what he needs to do with his hair. They got a they got a nice little win streak going. He got a nice vibe with his team going. Go ahead, let it go. Let the uh, the wavy hair, all that stuff he's doing, let it go. Go ahead. Shaka. I mean that that's that's 100 lettuce is what he's got right there. That is, that is lettuce through and through. He wow. can't cut it now. Wow. wow. You, you cannot <laughs> you cannot cut it now. Nah, you he cannot cut that hair until they until they lose. Like they got to lose really bad for him to cut it. Then you got to, <laughs> but you know, let it rock, bro. You know who he kind of looks like with the hair? So um, 
he's always gotten like the uh, the you know Nick Wright from Fox Sports One. Everyone yeah. always says that Nick Wright and Shaka look exactly the same. Um, and now and now uh, Gary Parish, friend of the program, says that he thinks that um, that Shaka looks like. Zach De La Roca from the lead singer from Rage Against the Machine, but no. I think that 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 one's wrong too. I think what Shaka needs to do <laughs> is is slick it back, throw it into a ponytail, right, and go full Lin Manuel Miranda from Hamilton. Have you seen Hamilton? No, I have not seen Hamilton. But do you think he could get that in a ponytail? You are, I, you, are you positive? I don't. I I think he's got to let it grow a little bit more, which is what I'm I, saying. I, like if, if felt, they keep winning, you grow that thing out, and then all of a sudden. Uh, he's going to be coming out there on on, <laughs> on games. I am Alexander Hamilton. Uh, he can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> to a certain point, he has to cut it. We all got to let things go. Hey, look, you know what? If they're if they're fourteen and zero, nah, and they're halfway through Big Twelve play, like, <laughs> and, and he cuts his hair, uh, we're going to have a problem. I'm going to have to have a conversation with him and teach him a little bit about uh about what what it takes to be lucky in the sport of basketball. Um, no, in all seriousness, though, uh, when it comes to Texas. I always feel like I kind of like I, I made this point earlier with Goodman, right? Yeah. Texas always kind of feels like when you're in college and you go back home for Thanksgiving or winter break and you see your old high school girlfriend and like for a couple weeks it sparks up again and you got that little the little thing when you're back home um, and then you go back to school and like January comes around, conference season starts and you're like, oh yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why me and her didn't work out. That's why we didn't stay together when we went to college. And that's what Texas is for me. Every year at the start of the year, I buy into the idea, like, this is the year that Shaka Smart puts it together. This is the year that Shaka Smart puts it together. He's going to figure it out this season. And I swore to myself I was not going to do that this year. And you know what I'm about to do, Deshaun? I'm about to tell you why this is the year that Shaka <laughs> Smart <laughs> puts it all together. Um, back so home. that so tell, uh, give me your opinion on this because I think it's – I think this is the difference. One, um, all their guys have really bought into their roles. Like, I think what really stood out to me during that Maui Invitational is Kamaka Hepa, who started 10 games last year and who was asked to redshirt this season in a year where you don't have have a season of eligibility to get burned. He's on the sideline going nuts, like cheering his guys on, screaming. Like Every time they pan to the Texas sideline, he's, like, standing up and clapping and yelling and cheering his guys on, like – going full Myers Leonard in the NBA bubble. Remember that when he was with the Heat? So that, that tells me that there's a level of camaraderie within that roster that I think you need to, to have success in college. And the other part of it is that with Greg Brown, with yeah. Kai Jones, you have two dudes that are going to be elite defenders that can also step out and hit threes, that can also beat people off the dribble, that are both lob targets, that give you so much versatility in what Shaka wants to do offensively. Because he always wants to go with that spread ball screen. Like, he ain't running complicated stuff offensively. He's giving it to his – he's got senior guards. He's going to put his guards in ball screen. He's going to space them with shooters, and he's going to say, go. Go make a play. Like, that's what their offense is. It's not super complicated. But now he has senior guards like your boy Matt Coleman, like Courtney Ramey, like Andrew Jones that can make those plays. He's got bigs. And it's not just those two guys, Greg Brown and Kai Jones. Like Jericho Sims is a freak. Royce Ham is a freak. Like those dudes are – you throw it up, they're going to go get it no matter where it is. So to me, that's why I'm I'm kind of – all the way in on Texas this year. It's the versatility. It's the senior guards. It's that they finally have bigs that can play – the way that Shaka wants to play. And he can put them all on the floor together. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of my take on it. 
Um, piggybacking off of what you just said, um, I like the way they look. And the main reason I do like the way they look is because of the minutes, though. Like last year, that was like a big thing. I know we talked about that before. Uh, I want to say uh, in our very first, first couple episodes, the minutes were just so stretched. They had like 10, they're trying to play 10 guys type deal. And then you started to see it last year. They started to play a lot better when they cut the minutes down and, and played, uh, I want to say like seven, eight guys. This year, I mean, they're playing a good amount of guys, but they're playing a, a lot of minutes for the guys that, that start and maybe like six six the six man or so like everyone else is in the teens which is good right now i think that's a good that's a good uh a rotation good number good mix good number to have you know you got 25 minutes and plus for like six guys and then the rest of the guys are in the, like 14 15 and i feel like that's good for him you keep your team happy that way guys especially when you have guys that like you just mentioned can rest shirt and still be supportive that camaraderie within the group in those minutes, it gives the opportunity for you know guys to showcase what they can do, and everyone's happy. Everybody eats, so yeah. Don't do all this. I will jump on the band the bandwagon with you until you know until otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think though that it it is worth pointing out that we've now on this podcast talked about four different teams that we thought were really really good from the Big Twelve. You know, we talked about Kansas, and I still think Kansas is a really good team. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Texas. We've talked about your Mountaineers. We talked about Baylor, and we talked about someone else that I'm blanking on right now. Um, Texas Tech. Tech talked about Texas Tech. Yeah. So there's like there's five really good teams in that conference at the top of the league again. It, it feels like that league, as much as anyone in the country, is always as balanced as anyone. Like I didn't even mention Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State, who just yeah. went into Milwaukee and knocked off Marquette. The other off Marquette. Day. That was an impressive game. By K Cunningham, honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. He was all over the court, like doing whatever he wanted, posting up, ceiling. Like it was, it was a, it was a very good game he had in Marquette, man. So yeah, shout out, to, shout out to the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Illinois and Baylor are kicking off here. Um, I think we've covered about everything that we possibly could cover when it Indeed. comes to Gonzaga, West Virginia, and Texas, and uh, Texas and North Carolina. Um, the last thing I will say is this, and then we can get out of here, Deshaun, is that uh, I'm worried about North Carolina in the sense that they, they – my concern with them was they didn't have wings and nothing about their performance in, uh, in, in the Mashville Invitational, not the Maui, not the Asheville, the Mashville Invitational. Nothing about what happened down there makes me feel more comfortable about their, their wing play. So I'm definitely worried about them kind of going forward, right? Like in the sense that I think they're – more of a top 25 team instead of a top 10 team. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to – if I can just lump two teams, I'm kind of worried about Duke and UNC. Like after – like I've never seen a performance like that the other night, uh, last night where we are talking about what, 30% from the field? Like at Cameron and – like I'm worried about the ACC, the juggernauts at ACC. So it – Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> they're all having trouble, man. North Carolina, yeah. Um, North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia are all. That, yeah. the, hey, the ACC is a football conference now. And yeah, right? right here, it's a tough, tough <laughs> must be a tough all life. Right. <laughs> all right, Deshaun, man. Listen, thank you for joining me, everyone that tuned in. Thank you for watching. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, thank you for listening. And if you have gotten this far in the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Do all those things that make us happy as podcasters. All of that stuff really does help us in the metrics. It help us in, helps us in the ratings. And it'll help us 
uh, get our name out there a little bit. And that's what we're trying to do. So, Deshaun, appreciate you, brother. We'll cap- catch up again next week.